Jonathan Edwards once wrote, The end of God's ordinances is holy. The immediate end is to glorify God. They are instituted to direct us in the holy exercises of faith and love. Join Adam Howell, Ryan Hanley, and Caleb Niedermeyer as they discuss living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. Righteousness Podcast. I'm Caleb Niedermeyer, joined by Ryan Hanley and Adam Howell. Guys, counterclockwise in studio. Always, always counterclockwise. <laughs> I'm always against the uh, the establishment. Anti-establishment is what we we do here. We've had some pretty cool developments. I think we have one review up on iTunes. We are developments as in two. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. That's, That's only one so far. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah, I I think we should read it on air at some point because it's really good. I think they capture the the essence, essence of <laughs> of our podcast they, very well. They captured the essential oil of our podcast. That's right. They did. Yes. Did your wives ever sell essential oils? Did no, they ever do that? They have not. Uh, the other development that we had was we had someone write into the show, and by write in I mean message on Facebook. And ask if we would talk about the the ordinances, specifically baptism. But I'm going to make it a little bit broader, and we'll we'll talk about both both and because that's how we are. Um, only two ordinances. Only two ordinances, um, other than foot washing. <laughs> two and a half. Whoa. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about baptism and communion specifically, and we'll do them. Uh, we'll do baptism first and then communion. I had this quote here from John Stott that says, Baptism visibly dramatizes. He always uses like really good English. I, I really like this. Dramatizes. Makes a drama. Of our participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so how does that... <laughs> it, it, we, we would agree with that. Just start with a stop quote and then we're supposed to follow that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have had that at the end. That's right. So with that, if if we agree with that, which I think you guys would, how does that actually and practically work out into the life of one, the person being baptized in Adam? I know you, you had a couple of pre was it prep prep notes on that. <laughs> so so there's gonna be something with the age of the person obviously, uh, and then in the life of the church, how, how does that all help the church grow and become more like Christ as the drama is given to the church of this person is participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? How does that affect the church and the individual? And I know I gave you guys a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. Go ahead and say what you said in the pre-show. Yeah, do that. It'd probably be pretty good if you can. Remember how the pre-show is in the like three minutes three before minutes. we hit record. <laughs> yes. So this this drama of basically, I guess so. If I could rephrase Stott, since it wasn't that clear, um, the the kind of visible display of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I would say for the individual, and now I'm going to go for my life personally. I don't remember there being a, a lot of affection in that moment. I I grew up. Uh, in, in a church where uh, baptism immediately followed a confession of faith, and it was just kind of that next thing to do uh, rather quickly. And so um, I had been talking with the pastor, um, talking with my parents, made a confession of faith, 
and and then the next Sunday made that confession publicly to the church, and then immediately was baptized after that. So it was, it, at that point, it was kind of I hope that nobody writes in and questions my baptism, but <laughs> nonetheless, that's it doesn't I, count. I, uh, yeah, I think it was legitimate. So don't do that. And um, so as far as affection goes, I I don't think I even knew what an Edwardsian view of affection was at that point. I know that I've seen baptisms, and I'm thinking particularly here about the individual at this point, but I, I know I've seen baptisms where it was a very affective occasion. Celebration, joy for, for the person being baptized as, as like a, a, a true celebration. And if it's that, that picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus, then that celebration, I think, is appropriate. That joy is appropriate, that we have new life in Christ, that we've been raised with Him. And Ephesians says, seated with Him in the heavenly places with that level of authority. And so all of those truths that we are communicating visibly um, are a joyous occasion. Um, I've got some funny stories, too. I, I saw a guy one time that uh, just totally, the, the affection overtook him, and he just tree-trunked the whole thing, just straight up, <laughs> fell backwards, and came about an inch of hitting his head on the back of the tub. Tree-trunked. Oh <laughs> what do you call that thing? The baptistry? Yeah. Yes, yeah. He, well, he was just straight up. So at our tub. Yeah. At our church, we have the seat, so they yeah. sit, and then they lean back, so that's not a problem, but this guy just straight up, and... <laughs> They about didn't get him up out of the out of the water. So. Like smooshed <laughs> yeah. down yeah. the side of it. So, for me personally, uh, as the individual, not incredibly affective experience. For others, I've seen it be very affective. For the church, though, um, I think that uh, at, at least now on this side, with what I would argue for me personally is a better understanding of baptism in that picture and 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 how it functions in the church to be a visible expression of obedience, a visible communicating that I'm now identified with Christ, this individual is identified with Christ, there becomes now a community role and a community responsibility, I think, within the church that 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 person being baptized is saying to us in the congregation, I am a Christian and I now fully expect for you to hold me accountable to this to this life that I'm claiming to live. Um, I'm now, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to righteousness because I've been buried in his death and raised with him. That then brings joy to the congregation for having seen that transformed life and seeing this are you act of obedience. But then it also brings a level of kind of a culmination of affections in the Christian community whereby we communally hate sin and we communally fight sin and we communally uh, as a congregation, seek to find joy in God. So we encourage our brothers and sisters. And all of that gets communicated to the community by the individual through this image of dunking. I don't know if that helps any, but I, I know that for me personally as an individual and then also as a sitter in the congregation. Yes to all of that. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I would say my, my own baptismal experience was similar. I was like 10 or 11, something like that. Are you talking about literal dunking or baptism in the spirit? This would have been the first. (laughs) That came later. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Um, Technically, that came before, (laughs) if we want to think rightly about this. Yeah, my my water baptism. (laughs) Baptism 2.0. Um, H2O. H2O, there you go. Nice, I like this. This is good. We should market that. Missional wear. 
Baptism H two dot oh H two dot I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet them right now. You should you should hey we're recording a podcast and you should do this. I remember like yeah the affections thing weren't like high on the radar screen. Um, I I remember what I rem- like was thinking at the time was more a matter of oh this is an official declaration of my membership among the people mm. of God and that was effective. In its own in its own right, just because I mean I, I knew I believed in Christ, I was following Him in faith, but there was something significant about it, you know. And how how far do you take that? I don't know, but I I do remember thinking, hey, this is this is me identifying with the people of God, and you know there there was much to learn after that, certainly, and, and different things I've I've learned about baptism, but I, I do remember that aspect of it, and then similar to what you said, like watching baptisms since then. So I mean, one for this the, the fact that evangelism is not a massive part of the American church these days. Mm-hmm. I, I say that, of course, that's a huge blanket statement that is not true for many, many churches. But all that to say, like, I've seen more baptisms consistently in more recent years than I have thinking about, you know, mm-hmm. my life before, you know, say, coming to Louisville or something like that. So there's something that is refreshing, exhilarating, exciting to see God moving in people's lives. It, it is genuinely a part of Christian worship to watch someone come forward and say, I follow Christ, I identify with Christ, I identify with His body. And like just thinking about how that is incorporated in, into a service of worship, of course it stirs our affections. You know, if, if you believe in Jesus, if you delight to see his, his work spreading across the land when you see someone from your city coming into your church, especially, you know, when you see someone that, that this isn't like, hey, I'm, I, I was saved when I was 10, but now I'm being baptized as, as an adult because I never did it. But like someone who, as an adult, comes to faith or as a child comes to faith and they're identifying with Christ, um, I mean, you, you rejoice, right? This is, yeah. this is a, a beautiful thing to see. I honestly like one of the things that I think about very often um, when watching a baptism is thinking about like I just pray for my kids. Lord, I want to see I want to see my own kids mm-hmm. in those waters sooner rather than later. So there's definitely a lot of affections going on with that, as you can imagine. You know, having your own children and desiring their salvation as well. So teaching on baptism and how it should affect the entire congregation and what the response as a congregation to that individual should be. When, where, and how does that teaching and training happen? Like, I don't know, does Ninth and O do like a pre-baptism teaching for people who are like, hey, I want to be baptized, and they have like a... Usually it's more of a, like a one-on-one. Yeah, it's usually more of a counseling with the pastors type thing. Yeah, and I wonder if, if in that they're saying, okay, now after this, when you're in the congregation and you're seeing a baptism, this should be your response. And, mm-hmm. like, I'm just curious as to to your thoughts on, like, if you would change something on teaching on baptism within Baptist circles. So I, think, I know that's really broad, but... Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier, and, you know, it's a catch-22 sometimes. I really, really appreciated the intensity and intentionality of what you read about baptism in the early church, um, the level of intentionality that is poured into these candidates for baptism, um, teaching them the things of God, catechizing them, um, walking them through the process of what the faith is even about, that's an incredible thing. Now, the, the flip side of that is, 
you know, some, like, some cases, I think it was like a, a three-year process sometimes, and it was like they would wait until Easter a lot of times, and, you know, some church history guy is probably going to blast my understanding of how these things work. Um, <laughs> it seems like I heard that somewhere one time. It's probably on the internet. True. So it was this very intense, intentional experience. Um, it was sort of like Easter was seen as the, the epitome of, like, here's when we baptize people. The problem with that, I think, is that it, it makes it so selective and unique that you don't see that happening around the year, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, but also, you know, there's there's a sense in which baptism is a measure of obedience as well. And come to faith in Christ, and then you're saying, I cannot follow him in baptism for a year or three years or however long this, this process is. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always going to advocate for more intentionality than less, um, but not at the expense of, of waiting such a long time. Realize that's very generic, but it's almost like you made being baptized harder than being saved. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or a bigger process, and I, and I get it. Like you want, you want people to know what they're signing up for, and that is a, a noble thing. It is a, a genuinely godly kind of thing to, to aim for. But I don't know the the ability to identify with the people of God. I, you just don't see that pattern in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. People were believing in the Lord. They're being saved. They're being baptized. Yeah. Being brought into membership of the church, and then growing in discipleship and um, so that's where a lot of the catechizing yeah. took place was after baptism but so. yeah I think I would agree I don't, I, so as far as like should we see more training in Baptist churches or I think it, you'd have to look at individual churches to see yeah. what kind of training they actually do because I would imagine there are some that do it very very well but from from my personal experience I would I would certainly say if there are any pastors listening and considering how to do this in their churches or if uh, there are any students that are listening and you, you're thinking, okay, how am I going to do this when I become a pastor? I would argue, I would, I would advocate as well for more intentionality than less. Just again, in my personal experience in Baptist circles, having seen, um, I wouldn't put a percentage on it, but a good deal of rebaptisms having kind of learned later in life I wasn't actually a Christian the first time that I was baptized and I think if there was more intentionality between a profession of faith and baptism again don't wait I agree but if there's more intentionality there it can kind of help somebody discern um, you know what are evidences of salvation what are the fruit are we seeing that I don't know that it's a bad I don't don't know that I would say that to say so that we can avoid more rebaptisms I mean if somebody realizes that later in life, praise the Lord, you know. I mean, I had a pastor one time that had been a pastor of a church. He was a pastor of our church for, he had been there 20 years prior to a season of of a revival services, series of services we were going to do. He came to the conclusion that he was not baptized as a believer and he uh, was rebaptized on a Sunday night service. He preached on baptism Sunday morning, told the church he was going to be baptized that night, and if there was anybody else in that boat, then they were welcome to come join him. And that Sunday night, we had like 25 baptisms. Is that a problem? Is that bad? I don't know. I don't. Right. I don't. I don't think so. You know. But what you know, what would it have looked like if there had been more intentionality on that front end, kind of help him discern that earlier? And he was a phenomenal pastor. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't say that that conclusion later in life disqualified anything he had done in a pastorate prior to right. that, you know, but right. I agree, intentionality. Yeah. I think a few things that I've seen that, I mean, I think that to, to the extent that you explain more to the congregation, 
you know, to be able to use a little bit more time of a service maybe would be helpful. Um, that is that is one of the benefits of sort of more baptism-oriented calendar moments in the year. Um, yeah. You know, when it's like, hey, this is going to be a Sunday when we baptize people so that there might be more there being baptized and you can take more time to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like, I love seeing or hearing the testimonies of people yeah, who are being baptized. Um, and again, it probably depends on the church, the kind of technology you have available, like what, what that looks like for your church. But um, e- even if it's just to be expressed with their actual voice in the, in the congregation, but to be able to see this person, I mean, baptism is a symbol of their testimony, right? Mm-hmm. But, but to hear their words as well, here's what Christ has done in my life. Um, or even just to get to know them, especially in a larger, if you have a larger church, you know, this person maybe goes to a different service, and I don't know who they are, but here's a, like a super quick bio. Here's what Christ has done in their life, and, and you can see them and um, be affected by that. Rejoice in the Lord with them. Yeah. yeah, I think that's good. I think you guys hit on a lot of stuff that I was thinking as far as just making it more making it more than just that individual and the pastor mm-hmm. in the tank, and then going, yeah, you got baptized, good. And then you just kind of continue on your daily basis of yeah. whatever. But it's a congregation Absolutely. coming together and rejoicing and coming alongside and saying, we are now responsible for and with this person's spiritual life and growth. Yeah. And they are responsible for my spiritual growth and, and maturity in Jesus Christ. So it's a, it's a congregation. It's a celebration as a whole community Absolutely. rather than an individual yeah event happening although it is that at the same time mm-hmm. so yeah good you called the tub the tank you called true. it a tub what did, what did I call it you said the, the pastor tank. and the individual in the tank in the tank did I yeah <laughs> see how many metaphors we can come up with yeah uh, we can get into all the imagery that's going on there but I think we'll we'll save that for uh for another we can time have a, a second yeah ordinances we, yeah we have a podcast. we have a second second ordinance to cover though quickly in, in communion I don't I mean there's 150 different directions you can take communion but talk about uh, <laughs> like literally like, yeah, like, yeah. up down <laughs> towards the east away from the east <laughs> it's not exactly what I meant but bread, sure. I'm like bread wafers. we're not um, going there okay. <laughs> talk about how communion and the affections and how they come together within that service what, what is the intended goal, and how does that happen? How can we, as a congregation, strive towards that goal? So what's the intended goal in communion? What are the affections that are, are intended to be stirred within that service, within that ordinance, and how do we strive for that? So people have died because of the answer to this question. <laughs> so I'm just going to withhold my that's, answer. That's why I asked the question. Now that yeah, you guys I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. So you should do it according to your denomination now. I, I just throw out the basics. Like I think that the intended goal would be to remember yeah. the crushed body and spilled blood of Christ on the cross. Right. And, and that that... that remembrance is that remembrance affects us in the sense that we find similar to baptism deep joy in the work that Christ accomplished for us the joy that we have now being members of that kingdom and members of of citizens of that kingdom 
And then I think also about like the um, call it fencing of the table, where if you have something against <laughs> your brother, <laughs> then yeah, <laughs> yeah, these little these little pin type swords. Uh, um, that if you you know if you do have something against your brother, a person in the congregation, then um, you know let the plate pass and go make that right, or go make that right and then and then let the plate pass. Like that's a in my opinion, that's a, this a, a communal outworking of affections to fight sin, to hate sin, to correct sin, to bring community dynamic to to a whole. That's not the right way to say it, but you, you know, to, to restore the community dynamic prior to, and and you know, maybe if I don't know, that's that's uh, it, it feels like it very much becomes an individual and community type thing, just like baptism right, right. Uh, in that yeah. in that sense. Good. So there's a, I think what you're hitting on, at the very least, um, so lowest common denominator that is very rich and full is that it is it is designed to evoke our affections. It's mm-hmm. designed to stir our memories to something we know and believe, namely that Christ inaugurated the new covenant with his blood and body. And so whatever spiritually happens in baptism or in the Lord's Supper, you know, like let that be another podcast or somebody else who knows what they're talking about discuss that. But yeah, or not. <laughs> um, but as lowest common denominator, I, you know, I use that word intentionally. Like, can we distill this down to the essentials? Um, so yes, lowest common denominator is not low. Okay, so it it is an essence that is not wimpy and weak. And I think so. We we, we will tend to pendulum swing one way or the other and we want to say well it's not all these other kinds of spiritual things and we make it only about a simple memory but we mm-hmm. we make that memory almost meaningless it's mm-hmm. just like oh yeah remember Jesus great take my wafer and juice and move on with my life but I mean we are embodied creatures I mean that's the affections are stirred because of what God is doing in our lives not just some kind of airy fairy ethereal way so whether it's baptism or whether it's the Lord's Supper our tongues tasting Mm-hmm. bread and juice is designed to work physiologically in our body yeah. to evoke a response, evoke a reaction. I mean, our, we, we know that scientifically our, our senses are intricately tied to memory, especially things like taste and smell. Um, so when, you know, when you crunch down on the, on the, the bread or the wafer or whatever you're using, you're, you're tying that to the reality of, of yeah. Christ's death. Mm-hmm. And resurrection, right? When you when you drink that grape distilled beverage of <laughs> whatever, <laughs> of whatever it <laughs> happens to be, it's supposed to do something, right? Like to your body, like that's why you know we're commanded to lift up holy hands or to sing. I mean, these these aren't just mm-hmm. we're embodied creatures. We're not, you know, it's not all mental constructs and things like that. So a memorial kind of view of of the Lord's Supper is not. A weak ordinance. It's not a weak symbol. It's a very rich symbol that, you know, what happens spiritually, you can debate that all day long, but something spiritual will happen if if our bodies are designed to respond when, you know, when things like this, when things are brought back to mind. It's not anemic. Right. Mm. And by anemic, I don't mean that it has to do with real blood. It has to do with his blood. His is the only blood that matters. His with a capital H. That's right. Which we are not drinking. Yeah. So there's two things that, Adam, I think you hit on it a little bit. And then the other one, I don't think either of you brought it up. But, come on. Why? Fired. We're supposed to remember the death, 
burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then he says, until I come, until, until he comes back. So there, this memory isn't only a past memory, but a future hope that as we remember the death, it's not, it's not a final death that happened. It is a, a future life that we will have and we will see our, our faith face to face. We will see Jesus face to face. And so I think that evokes the celebration. There, there is a celebration of, I'm remembering the death of Christ because he took my place. But at the same time, he took my place and he's alive and I'm going to live and I'm going to see him someday. The other aspect that I really, I think we're really weak on, at least the churches that I've been in, is the, the community part of it. It's a, all right, get your individual wafer, get your individual juice, sit in your seat and think about all the horrible sins that you've committed, confess them, get right with God, and then you just drink it in silence and then let's just go home. And I, I just don't know what we can do differently, if anything, to bring in a, a community sense into communion. And I, I don't know, maybe that's just my, my thoughts and I'm just fleshing him out on a podcast for everybody to hear. I, I, I don't know. Nobody's going to hire him now. <laughs> That's right. Um, I think that the community aspect, um, I think there's, uh, you're right, that it um, it not it oftentimes is not, uh, it's not necessarily set up to be a community event. But at the end of the day, we are, like we are a community when we're participating in the Lord's yeah. Supper and so I think even if it's just in, on an individual basis that you understand and recognize that, and then certainly pastors should, I think, make that a little more of the highlight that this we're we're doing this together as the community to enrich one another. It's you know however that however you want to say that, but even understanding that individually, certainly things can be done corporately to enhance that. But at least you know that individually and can be encouraged by that. Yeah. Yeah, I think with yeah. I mean with that. So again, it's sort of like baptism. Like, what intentionality are you putting behind it? What are you explaining to the people? I've seen like one of the churches I was a part of. We would take communion at the front, and I think there's several churches here in Louisville that do that as yeah. well. Just again to get more of your body engaged, you get up and you walk, walk forward. And I've actually got a funny story on that one. Just a second. Because it shows what a goober I am. So that getting up and moving forward, there, there's a communal aspect to that. I think it's it's pretty amazing. The the story, so this this church, we would go forward, you would take the bread and dip it in the cup, mm-hmm. and then and then eat the bread. And this was my first Sunday there, and I couldn't see people in front of me because we're in a line. And so I took the bread, <laughs> stuck it in my mouth, and grabbed the cup and took a sip. <laughs> <laughs> The, the pastor that was holding kind of smirked a little bit, and I just went on my merry way. And as I'm walking off towards one of the other lines, I see people dipping the bread in the cup, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that probably would be better for all involved." So. That's good. I thought you were gonna say you like dropped the whole chunk of bread in the thing. And no, was... usually when you do the dipping thing, though, you see little bits of bread floating yeah, around. Floating around. Like, oh, so. you want to go first so that you don't. Is that considered backwash? No, I don't no, know. it's just breadcrumbs yeah. floating around. Breadcrumbs floating. I was thinking about it's Dr. Moore was the one who kind of put in my mind for whatever I don't know why, but the, this idea of a celebration and the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. that like it ought to be an exuberant, wild, and of course wild in a Dr. Moore wild kind of way, but like a <laughs> a uh, exuberant Absolutely. than it is, Absolutely. and um, 
I know for a while at, at our church we uh, there there was kind of a a rather raucous song after yeah uh, after the Lord's Supper that was kind of nice and yeah. and I and you know being celebratory a, yeah and that's Absolutely. right and being a multi generational church we 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 are careful with that and I think rightly so sure but but I I think that's one thing too that can just bring the community together yeah. we've we've just taken the Lord's Supper we're now you know we. And then we celebrate that with with exuberance and joy, and yeah. music so, is a great way to do yeah, that. Yeah, you saying you know? that, that, that? There's more involved in the Lord's Supper than just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ or forgiveness of sins. I mean, we're we're te- we're sort of identifying with the whole of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, which includes yes, our lives in sin, we need a savior, but the life to come, like Caleb, like you were saying. I mean, this is a celebratory thing, like. We are identifying with the whole of what Christ came to do and is doing even now and will do in the future. Um, and it's not merely forgiveness of sins for rebels, but bringing us into the life that God has created us for. Mm-hmm. You know, lives of people who worship Him, people who tell His name, people who bear His image on this on this earth. And that's what we're identifying with. Um, and so, yes, naturally. It, Celebration is, is well, part and parcel. Yeah, of that. we're identifying with the inception of the new covenant of which yeah. we are members, yeah. and so yeah, it's a very big thing, mm-hmm. like the understatement of the century. All right, any other comments, closing remarks on, on the ordinances that you guys? Any burning questions? Sorry for any doctrinal heresy I may have yeah. spouted yeah, during right. this particular episode. Particularly with baptism, I think that should be part of the intentionality of teaching is that, that you are now identifying as mm-hmm. a disciple of Christ and and publicly you're identifying that yeah. way. This is no longer like, hey, your parents can hold you accountable for having made a profession of faith. Like You are you are now public. So I, yeah. live like that. Taking this mantle on myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. This isn't... It becomes, it's it's weighty. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking... Edit this however you want to, but um, no, don't. I will. Thinking about the the holy days <laughs> that were set up in the Old Testament, holidays, calendar, holy days, oh. <laughs> and then grammatically lays it to <laughs> holiday. Is that a vocal show? Uh, uh, something like that. What? 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 Oh wow! Oh it was very calendar-centered. The Lord's Supper is something... It's like the New Covenant, the, the New Testament Christian ability to have Day of Atonement or Feast of Tabernacles yeah, or yeah. Year of Jubilee. I mean, we have this, dare I say it, weekly reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the gospel that He's brought. But it's, mm-hmm. it's a, mm-hmm. it is a moment, like our services of worship, it's a moment in a human being's life where they recognize my primary... Identity is Christ yeah. in His church. It's good. Not I'm at my job. Not I'm at home trying to wrangle my kids. Um, and I mean that's why that's why you had these festivals in the Old Testament. It was it was an identity thing. Like it's just the the smack across the head over and over and over again. Don't forget who you are. Don't let the world steal your identity. Find it in Jesus Christ. <laughs> See what I did there? Identity. I like that. <laughs> that needs to be on a T-shirt. <laughs> Mission aware. There you go. Dear Mission Aware, we have lots of ideas for you. So if you're listening to this and you know somebody at Mission Aware. <laughs> because you know Mission Aware is not listening to you. <laughs> That's right. Let them know we have That's ideas. The song. That's actually obviously we don't have the time to go into that. 
the imagery from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the, the way everything is, is there to help us remember and um, the intentionality with which God helped Israel, hey, remember who I am, remember who I am in your life, I think goes into the New Testament. It's not just, oh, human beings are different now. You'll remember. Mm-hmm. It's right. a, no, 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 you need this. Yeah, all the time. You need this Every communion. Day, you need these week. baptisms. Oh. You need this to get it in front of you to see this is who I am, this is who you are, mm-hmm. and this is now how I want you to live. You can look at the uh, Passover, the institution of the Passover, and see what kind of theological freight is brought into the New Covenant, since that was the meal they were eating. Yeah. Theological freight. I know, that was good. good. Like that, was, that was good. That Bring was good. it. Yeah. I so think that's, that's the homework that you now have to go and That and read, read Covenant to Covenant. Or kingdom through covenant. Covenant through covenant. covenant. Make, it's like Inception. You make a covenant through a covenant. <laughs> it's a covenant like within four a layers covenant. deep right now. So someday we'll get out of this mess. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening. We'd appreciate adding to those reviews on iTunes. That helps review. us get our. What? Adding, adding to that review. On adding those. adding to that one review. <laughs> right. More reviews that helps us get the word out. Uh, Even if you've already reviewed it. Feel free to review it again. If you can review it again. Can you? No, I think you can oh. only do one review. But like you can you create can... multiple accounts and hey. review it. There you go. So, so reviewer, you've got work to do. <laughs> that's right. Either recruiting or coming up with new identities. <laughs> but until next time, there is ultimate joy to be had in this life, and it's uh, through pursuing Jesus Christ, so pursue Him.